Well, tonight we want to talk about identity. And you have a handout, and I want you to play, uh, kind of grab that, and you can take some notes. And, uh, you know, the goal of this semester, too, is, you know, we, we do want to make sure that we have teaching, but we do like to have conversation around the table. Because as men, sometimes we don't get that opportunity. Tonight we might lean a little bit towards uh, content, but in the t- next week we are going to have more conversation. And as Derek said, as you have a question or something you'd like to discuss, you know, we, we think that's healthy. So I'm going to start tonight with the end in mind. I want to start right out of the gate and give you what I want you to take with you. And then I'm going to backtrack with Scripture a little bit. And then I've got a guy coming up here in a little bit going to give you a testimony. And so we're going to bounce off that. You know, the goal here is to give you something, a takeaway. I don't know how long you've been um, being a man, but, man, if I can just get a few things that will help me for today, uh, I'll take everything I can get. And that's kind of how it is about being a man of God. I don't know where you're at in your journey, uh, but hopefully there's something that you can take away from this that will help you. Jason said many of you are returning. You know, the second question would be, how many of your wives made you come? But you don't have to raise your hand. But anyway, all right. So four things I want you to take away from the session. And I, it really does not matter how old you are. I, I so have enjoyed the last few days revisiting this material and thinking, oh, you know, I, I forgot that. I, I've, I've been encouraged in, in my own manhood as I've went back over some of this material. This material, this, these four things come from a, a, a deal I did when I was a lot of your ages coming up and trying to learn how to be a man, how to be a husband, how to be a dad, you know, because I just had a lot to learn. I did not know. So you're, you're all in the, we're all in the same boat. We're trying to learn how to be a biblical man. Some of you had good models, some of you had better starts than others. Some of you came from real dysfunctional. Some of you have father wounds. That's another whole thing. But Derek's pretty much given me an impossible task tonight. And I, as I got overwhelmed with the material, I said, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to keep it simple. But we could teach the whole semester on biblical manhood identity. Okay? But, but our intention is... To walk out of here with something, a nugget that will help you be what God's called you to be. All right? Let me pray. Lord, you know, you know, you know each person that's here. Lord, these guys, they love you. And our heart is, Lord, speak. Your servant is listening. So I pray that you'd use something, God. It might be somebody. It's got to be your spirit. It's for your glory. So, Lord, whether it's the reading of the scripture or just, just the warmth of the fellowship, Lord, is enough to encourage me here tonight. And so I thank you for these men. I pray you'd bless them. Bless the teaching of your word in Jesus' name. Four things. You want to be a man, a biblical man, first thing, reject passivity secondly accept responsibility thirdly lead courageously and fourthly expect the greater reward God's reward now let me back up let me show you this first scripture Genesis and no you've got the uh, yeah here we go then God said let us make man in our image According to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish and the, of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. So, leave that up there. That, oh. So... The first point right out of the gate, you know, you got to go back to the blueprints. And I just want to encourage you. Listen, men, if you get Genesis 1, 2, and 3 nailed down, you're going to have a much better opportunity 
to have a start of being a biblical manhood. You know, if you really want to find out what something's made of, you go back to the original blueprints, not what culture has made manhood. So right out of the bat, you see that God created us in his own image, and he created male and female, okay? Right out of the bat. It was not separate, but he created male and female. And, and the important thing here is for you to get that, the, the major point of that is we are image bearers, okay? And as image bearers means that God created us in his image. Now, with, as far as creating uh, male and female, we are equally endowed and equally valued, all right? This is right out of the gate. Uh, the, Genesis 128 says, God blessed them, all right? And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over every living thing that moves on earth. Now, if you've been around church a long time, that is probably not anything new that you've not heard. But I want to remind you tonight that we are made in his image. And right out of the gate, you start to see there's something special going on here as God created us. He created a lot of other things, and they were not in his image, okay? So remember that. that. That's very important. We go to Genesis 2. It says, this is the account of the heavens and of the earth uh, when they were created in the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven. Now, no shrub of the field was yet in the earth. No plant of the field had yet sprouted, for the Lord God had not uh, sent rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. But a mist used to rise from the earth and the water and water the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And here you see the creation of man, breathed into his nostril. You know, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing to go back and see that we were formed from the dust of the earth. You know, guys, I think you got to remember, as God, everything's important in the Bible. Even us being created from the dust of the earth, you know, we're built to work. You know, there's something about being a, uh, there's a, there's some difference between a man and a woman. I hope you, you got that. But anyway, uh, but you know, even in the formation of how God created us and breathed into our life, you know, it's, it's just, it's, there's something different that happens. All right, let's go to the next scripture. Then the Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. In other words, he, you know, he put him in the garden, right? What did he say? Out of the ground the Lord caused to grow every tree that is pleasing and uh, to the side of the good, good, uh, good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, a river flowed out of Eden to the water of the garden, and from there it divided in four rivers. Then the Lord... God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to do what? To cultivate it and to keep it. You know, right away, God gave man responsibility to work, to cultivate, to keep. Now listen, when we talk about accept responsibilities, from the very beginning, we have been given responsibility. This is before Eve was ever created, and he put Adam in the garden to cultivate it and to keep it, and he gave him instructions, right? So remember, as far as accepting responsibility, there's something unique about how God created us. He created all these other things, but he did what? He spoke to us. You know, the whole last semester, we talked about spiritual disciplines. Why did we talk about spiritual disciplines? Because the spiritual disciplines 
draw you back into this relationship with God. Do you see even in creation there's this relationship? God took him and said, cultivate this, keep this. He spoke to him. And there's a relationship. This is not rules and regulations. It's a relationship that we have with the creator of the earth. Why? Because we are made in his image. How easy is it to forget that? And that's why you've got to go back and you hear all this, you know, we talk at church and we talk about prayer and we talk about, oh, God spoke to me and, you know, and you hear all this stuff and then sometimes we go, you know, I I just, I don't, I don't quite get that relationship thing. I read the word. I try to do what, what it says to do, and I'm hoping that it'll do work out good for me. And, and you sh- I mean, we should, but it, it is, it's more the relationship. When we get it all in perspective of how God created us and we remember who our identity is as Christ created us, okay? I hope tonight you'll walk out with a little bit of fun, like, oh, man, I've not been thinking about even my relationship with God. He loves you. He created you. He formed you. It was all part of it. So we have to accept the responsibility that God gives us. All right, let's move on. Then the Lord God commanded the man, saying from, here's the first commandment, okay, to Adam in the garden. You've all heard this. This is not new. If you've been in church very long, you've, you know, and he tells Adam, what does he tell him? Okay, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely what? Die. So he tells Adam, we know the story. We know what happens. You know, the story continues. But here you have... Adam's in the picture. Adam has been told and given this responsibility. All right? You see uniqueness in the role that God is giving Adam. All right? We're going to keep going on, but don't miss that. All right? It's a, it's a huge part of the story, okay? And it's a part of the identity of how we're created and responsibility and what God is trying to remind you of tonight, and as we put these four things together, maybe something will click. So here we go. Let's keep going. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. Genesis 2.18. God realized that, right? What did God tell him? He says, I will make him what? A helper suitable for him. How did God make him a helper? What did he do? He operated on, yeah, yeah, I'm going to get my knee, I'm going to get an operation, but I'm sure no woman's going to come out of that bone when they, uh, but he caused a deep sleep to come over him, and he took a rib, and I could spend, you know, there, I mean, there's a, uh, so much teaching on that, what's the significance of a rib. I, what I will point out is, remember the scripture says that God created man. And they're equally endowed and equally valuable because why? He created woman out of man from man. And he created what? A suitable helper. Now listen, if you're married, God has given you a suitable helper. You know, there's only three times in the scriptures that uh, suitable uh, helper is mentioned. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Those are the only helpers we have, and a woman. So that's your help, okay? A suitable helper, someone to help you. Now, now watch what happens. Here we go. Let's, let's keep going. So out of the ground he formed every beast. Here we go. Brought them to man. Uh, he, he brought man all the animals, right? What, what did Adam do? He named them, right? Brought them before him. Called... Uh, the man called a living creature that was its name. In other words, there's something significant about naming things. And God starts to show us that early. Even in the Old Testament, you know, 
I'm giving you the name. You know, even God said, uh, 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 rename people. Abram to Abraham. There's something significant about naming. All right, go on to the next. Here we go. The man gave the cattle, the birds, the beasts to fill. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. It was a process to, to show Adam that, hey, this is great and all these creations. But there was nothing suitable. He was really kind of setting Adam up. All right? And then we go to this. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon him, closed him up the flesh of that place, took one of his ribs, and the Lord God fashioned. Now stop right there. How did, how did God make us? He made us out. He made us. Made. There's a difference between making something and fashioning something. Right? Okay? You know? I make myself a sandwich. My mama fashioned me a sandwich. It was good. I Notice I didn't say my wife because she don't make me a sandwich. But anyway, uh, the Lord did what? He fashioned. That's fine-tuning. A woman is made different. They're more delicate. I mean, it, it, it's, Scripture tells you that, that it's, it's just different. There's a difference. We're, we're equally endowed, equally valuable, but we are different. Even we're different because our roles are different. But God sets the structure up here, and he's taking you on the journey. And he did, he did this. He said, fashioned a woman into a woman. Notice the name, woman. Come back to that in a minute. The rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. What did the man say when, uh, when God uh, brought the woman to him? Oh, me. That's right. You've taught that. We've all, yeah. Whoa. Uh, you know, you said that. You've said that too probably. But anyway, whoa, uh, woman. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he knew instantly and recognized she was a suitable helper. She was more than suitable. More than he expected. More than he had seen in any animal or naming or whatever. So there the journey begins. Man and woman. Let's go to the next scripture. The man said, oh thou, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my blood. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. All right, the journey continues. For this reason... A man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they will become one flesh. There's, this scripture right here, is, there's a lot of initiative in this. You know, this shows initiative that when you get married, you leave home. Some people don't leave home. This is the creation of a new family unit. There's a whole teaching here. But a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined with his wife. It's a beautiful picture. You hear this at weddings all the time. And they shall become what? One flesh. One flesh is a process. Some people say, well, it's the physical. Well, that's part of it. It is physical. But there's more to one flesh than just the sexual act. Okay? It's, it is a process. And, and those of us that have been married, we know it's... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a process. I don't know how to explain it, but if you've been married that long, you, you understand. It's, it's an ongoing thing. I've been married 40-plus years. So how long have you been married, Phil? Yeah. <laughs> Is that a test? 38, okay. Uh, but, you know, uh, it doesn't matter how long you've been married. It's still a process. It's the battle of the flesh and the spirit. But that one flesh is, is, is really special. All right, here we go. Let me move on. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Total transparency, not ashamed, just the purity of of the relationship. I think you got to notice that. All right. So we move on. The man said, the woman, oh, here, here we go. Yeah, I got a little ahead of myself. So. You see the blueprints, and then when we start to get into chapter 3, Genesis 1 and 2 set us up. Chapter 3 is the fall of man, okay? We all know the story. 
Okay, it's important what Scripture says about the story. It's important for you to understand chapter 3 to understand your identity. Because here's what happens. We forget our identity and who we are in Christ. We forget the story and what the story means. All right? So we all know what they ate. Uh, Eve did what? She ate. Yeah. Yeah, she, she partook of the apple, you know. The serpent comes in. Who's the enemy of the family? Do you realize that you have an enemy against your family? The evil one. And it's painted real clear in the Scripture. I think everybody understands that. And then God does what? What did Adam do? Where was Adam? Great question. Where was Adam? Well, he was, yeah, he, but he was... You know, this is kind of the first time you kind of see Adam being passive. Can't you just see him back there going, well, you know, if she takes a bite of this apple, it could be really good for me. And if she does take a bite and it's bad, it's her fault. But who did God give the commandment to and the teaching to? Give it to Adam. Passivity. Now, I know this is biblical story. Let me ask you this. How many times do you remain passive at home? How many of you sometimes are just so tired because of the work you had, you don't want to deal with situations, and you take the back seat, right? We do do that. So, we read this, like, well, how could Adam do that? Well, you know, I'll tell you how I do it. I go home, I sit down in my recliner, turn on the TV, and suddenly this big glaze comes over me, and there's some game on, which I don't care about it, the outcome, but I, I can become passive, really passive. I don't know what pacifies you. It might be a hobby. It might be whatever, you know, causes you to lose focus on your responsibility. Because, guys, you don't leave. The big change in my life was when I realized I was responsible for my marriage, my children. I was responsible. I didn't go into it like that. Nobody ever told me that. I just figured, I'm going to do my part. You do your part. And if you follow me, I'll take you to the promised land. That's kind of how I thought. That's very narcissistic. (laughs) Right? But you do your part, I'll do my part. Uh Uh-uh. Nope. That's not the way God set it up. I am responsible. And I cannot get passive. So... Sin enters in. God comes looking for him. And he says, Adam, I go. He, he said, where are you? And who did he go looking for? Did he go looking for Eve? No. He asked him. And the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with. Do, do you think that God knew where Adam was? <laughs> yeah. It wasn't a matter of like, hey, man, where are you? You know. And then he called him into accountability. And he said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. Immediately he does what? He blames. Now, this relationship, we all know that sin entered in through who? Through Adam. Because why? Adam was responsible. God's holding him responsible. And suddenly you have a, we got a problem. All right? And the relationship, what did the scriptures say? If you, that, that surely when you eat of it, you will what? You all said it, die. Here you see the picture of death. Let's, let's look at the next scripture and then I'm on. Then to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and you have eaten from the tree... Which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground 
because of you in toil you will eat of it. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow in you and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground. Because from it you were taken. For you are dust. Here we go. You are dust and to dust you shall return. You know the older I get the more I think about that dust I'm headed for. <laughs> you know some of you are young and you got a lot in the front windshield. You know, for me, I'm probably in the fourth quarter. Some of you might be in last, you might be in overtime, two minutes, I don't know. But I'll just say this, we're all headed to dust. If You're going to die, right? We're all going, we're, we're just going to die. So what you see emphasized here is this relationship and called in accountability. Now, I think the relationship part is, is a real important uh, emphasis. And I'm going to ask Josiah. Where is, Jos- is Josiah? Here? Yeah, come on up, Josiah. Josiah Gwynn is, uh, is on our team. Uh, I, I want to introduce you. I was in a uh, group with him, and uh, he shared something that really just, you know, he's a young guy following the Lord. He joined us from North Carolina. Uh, he's, he's newly wed, hadn't been married that long. How old are you, Josiah? 25. 25. But I want you to hear a little testimony from Josiah about something that happened to him that I think will speak to you. And I'm just going to turn him loose here for the next few minutes. Why don't you just share with him? I'm going to get out So, I guess, like, to start, at the end of, of last year, uh, it didn't quite end the way that I expected it to end. Uh, Christmas was coming around, um, and about five days before Christmas started, actually, this was actually one day after my one-year anniversary uh, with my wife, Emily, I tested positive for COVID, and so that essentially meant that I was going to be in quarantine through uh, the holidays uh, through Christmas. We had pretty big plans. Um, while I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina, my family was there. My wife's family lives in Arkansas, and so we had made pretty big plans to go see them and everything. Well, all of those were kind of canceled uh, for the holidays because I, I ended up testing positive for COVID, and then a day later, my wife uh, tested positive for COVID. And so we go through the holiday season. We are obviously quarantined at our house. Uh, we spend the 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 holidays, just us, and it was pretty good. We made the most of it. We kept a positive attitude about most everything that went on. We were a little bummed, um, but we were we were kind of like, you know what, like, let's just keep pushing through this. By the Lord's grace, we weren't having any, like, really serious symptoms or anything. Um, I was sick for about three days, my wife for about four days, and then we were just kind of cooped up in the house for uh, for a couple more after that. Either way, Christmas Day came and went. We were out of, out of quarantine the last day of the year, essentially. So we were like, all right, we're off work still. Let's go and visit family. We'll go see them for a little bit. And so I was pretty excited to go do that. Went and saw my wife's family. That was a really good time. We got to spend a few days with them, see them, visit with them, all of that stuff. And so as the new year approached, um, I was pretty eager to kind of like get a new fresh start. You know, 2021 was kind of ending uh, in a bit of a slump for us. And so I was like, you know what, 2022 is going to be it's going to be better. Um, I didn't make a resolution um, because I can't really live with the disappointment of kind of starting something and then always failing, you know, just a couple of weeks into it. But um, I was expecting the new year to be better than the end of, of 2021. And as I entered the year, I was just like, I entered and, and began to experience something unlike I've ever gone through before. Um, just one day, uh, the Lord, or not the Lord, but something just impressed upon me, just a, a deep sense of both loneliness and, and sadness, unlike anything I'd ever gone through. Um, and it was really confusing to me at the time because 
from my perspective, everything seemed to be going just fine. You know, everything with Emily was good. I felt pretty steady in my quiet time. Uh, everything uh, at home was going well. And, and yet, as I entered into the year, I was faced with this struggle that I didn't really know how to, to handle, essentially. And so we're kind of going through this, um, and I'm kind of walking through it. I'm like, all right, you just kind of just, it'll go away. It'll go away. Just wait off to another day. Well, a couple of days into the new year, I mean, now it's getting so bad that I'm staying up at night. Um, I was, was probably about midnight on a weekday, and Emily was asleep, and I was just laying there wide awake, just praying and crying to God, like, God, like, what's going on? Uh, like, like, why am I going, going through this? Uh, like, what am I, if, do I need to learn something? If I need to learn something, like, tell me, please, like, let me just get on with it. Uh, at one point, I even just begged God, like, let me get to sleep. I'll deal with this tomorrow in the morning. Um, and the Lord was silent. Uh, I, I wasn't hearing anything from him. And then as I was praying, I was like, God, like, just, just, just something, say something, please. And he reminded me of uh, Hebrews 1 where it talks about how God has spoken to us by a son. And so I was like, all right, I just need to go. I guess I need to go read my Bible. So about midnight, I woke up and I, I go into our dining room, which is where I keep my Bible and my journal during my quiet time. And I, uh, a phrase is going through my head. And the phrase is, how long, oh Lord? And I don't know why. But I got up my phone and I was like, okay, Bible verse, how long ago? I don't know if, if any of you guys ever do that. Like you remember a Bible verse and you quickly just Google it. And you're like, all right, this is where I want to be. So I did that. And the first reference that comes up is Psalm chapter 13. So I'm going to go ahead and read that uh, to you guys. The title of the Psalm is uh, How Long, O Lord? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the days? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. As I read this text that night, I just, I just started crying. I started weeping uh, because those first two verses especially, that's where I was. Those were the prayers that I was praying to God, just begging for something. Like, how long is this going going to happen. And so that night I found a lot of comfort um, and even peace in reading those verses and knowing that I was not alone uh, in the struggle, that I was not alone in what I was going through, that someone else had been what I had gone through, had been through what I had gone through. And I even found hope in the last two verses where like there was hope at the end of that. And so I went to bed that night um, pretty hopeful, uh, pretty relieved, over everything that was going on. And so I woke up the next morning, went through my normal routine. I got up, ready for work. I was good. I was going. And about halfway through the workday, boom, just all over again. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, like I'm at work. Like I can't, I can't, I can't be in here like sobbing tears and snotting up, you know, like at work. Like this is, this is just not cool. And there I was. And so I came back, I turned back to the Psalm and I read it again. Uh, and I'm, I'm praying alongside the psalmist, uh, this text, as he prays and he cries out to God. And I get to verses five and six, and I just, I'm just like, I just stop. Because I'm not there. In the midst of what I was going through, I was not able to praise. I knew, like, man, I need to be praising God in this moment. But I couldn't bring myself uh, to have a heart of worship in what I was going through. And so as I, as I was reading that, the next moment I found uh, another reference, and I was in Job. I was in Job, the end of Job, after uh, he's questioning God, he's asking God all of these questions, and God finally answers him. God finally answers Job, and God's answer to Job is a series of questions and statements that essentially say to Job, like, Job, you are a man and I am God. 
some of his questions were, where were you when I set the bounds of the sea? Where were you when I put the stars in the heavens, right? Where were you when I did all of these mighty works of creation? And essentially at the end of it, Job's like, I can't say anything. He had no answer to God because he was not there. And as I read that, I came to like the understanding that I'm not God. God doesn't have to answer uh, to me. And that was a hard pill to swallow. Like God doesn't have to tell me like this is exactly what's happening and what's going to happen. Um, but in the midst of that, God was showing to me that he can still be trusted. I can still have faith and hope in him. I've seen him. I've witnessed through the words of scripture and through the experience of my own life that God has been faithful to me in times past. And why would he not be faithful to me here and in this time? And so that day I read that and I found a lot of comfort uh, in reading Job and in reading Psalm 13. And uh, so about that time, I texted a friend of mine. He actually used to be my youth pastor and uh, he's always been a great uh, mentor to me. He's always given me really good encouraging godly advice. And so I called him up. It's like, hey man, just really having a hard time here. And he just kind of asked me a series of questions just to kind of see what was going on. And he again reminded me like, man, like the Lord is faithful. And through this time, he's shaping you into who he wants you to be. He's shaping you to be like Christ. And now while what I was going through was not quite what I expected for the new year, it was what I needed it is what God had orchestrated so that I would be conformed into the image of Christ, so that I would move from less faith to greater faith uh, through the struggle that I went through. And so that was the start of my year. <laughs> uh, that was the start of 2022 for me. The Lord shaped me. He allowed me to go through this season of just uh, loneliness and sadness to really, I think, expose in some way some of the lack of faith that I had in him and to really show like he can be trusted. And so in my journal now, I have uh, these pages that I've written. On one side I have where I've written alongside the psalmist and I'm like, how long, O oh Lord? And I'm writing and I'm crying out to God, like answer me. And the other side, it's me singing praises. Like I will trust in you because you are faithful and you've shown your faithfulness to me uh, in so many ways. And so I, uh, yeah, I hope that's encouraging for you guys. Um, that was just a part of the journey that I went through, uh, the journey that we're all going through as men who desire to grow closer uh, to Christ and to be conformed to his image and to lead, uh, lead well, but also follow Christ well. well. Thank Josiah. Thank you. You know, I hope you find his testimony encouraging because as he shared and the Lord prompted me, that is what we go through. How many times have you felt alone? How many times have you felt discouraged, lack of joy? It is warfare sometimes that evil one, excuse me, the evil one causes that, but sometimes it's because we have forgotten our identity. You're an image bearer. You're made in his image. What did that uh, psalm say? Return to the joy of your what? Salvation. If we remember who we are in Christ, we are his Abba. He is our Abba Father. And we forget. And you notice how he worked through that process to get back or to get recentered. Okay? How did he get recentered? He, rem he remembered who he was. Scripture spoke to him and he came back. Guys, <laughs> don't be passive. Just don't be passive. I'm just reminding you. Accept your responsibility. You're going to have these feelings, 
And you can't always lead courageously by your feelings. Okay? Feelings are good. Men don't handle feelings well, right? Some of us don't. What do we do with feelings? Especially if they're a negative or a negative thought or something. You know, we've got a wound or a, you know, we, we just, we don't like to deal with that. I mean, how many times those of us that are married and your wife's crying and she's looking at you and you're going, I have no idea what's going on here. <laughs> I'm just going to try to remain interested, okay? Uh, but to lead courageously, you gotta, you got to get in that. you gotta, you got to die to yourself and give it a shot or be praying, Lord, help me understand. But you can't lead courageously if you're going to lead all the time by feelings. You know, I don't have an alarm, but I always say this. When my alarm goes off, I think about how lucky dead people are, okay? I don't feel that great when I first, you know, but I wake up. I wake up. You know, I woke up this morning. I just, my first thought was, Lord, you're going to have to help me. I mean, I've just, I've been a little bit busy, and, and I was just like, you know, I, you know, I just said, you know, it's going to be a long day today, but it's okay, you know. And I just said, you know, Lord, strengthen my spirit. You know, I could probably be more prepared for tonight. You, know, you always think, I don't teach that much, so I, it's a little bit of pressure. But I just said, Lord, you're just going to have to strengthen me and fill me with your spirit to get me through the day. And I don't want to lead by just a feeling. And I, I've been excited about tonight. I, I love to teach this because it's so real. Go to the next verse. We've got to move on. I'm getting long. Now, the man called his wife. Here it is. He, what did he do after the sin entered the world? What did Adam do? He changed he, the woman's name from woman to what? To Eve. Because you just read everything changed. She became the mother of all living. Her role was adjusted. Did God adjust and change Adam's name? Did he change his responsibility? No. Everything changed when sin entered in the world. Go to the next one. Then God made them garments for the you know, they clothed them because why? Sin enters the world, everything changed. And sin entered into the world through what? The first Adam. All right, let's go. We got to go. Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, and now he might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of the life and eat and live forever. But from the tree of the knowledge, I'm just reminding you what God told Adam. That was a commandment. And evil you shall not eat, and you said it, because surely when you do eat, you die. That's where sin entered into the world. Next scripture. So Romans 5.19, New Testament says, For as though one man's disobedience, who's that refer to? Adam. The many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of one, the many were made righteous. Now who's the second Adam that that refers to is who? Is Jesus. And so Jesus comes to correct. He's the second Adam. Look at this next verse. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. You see there? You see the difference in just living? And Jesus came as a life-giving spirit. That's who we are in Christ. Listen, you go home tonight. You got... I'm I'm reject passivity. Expect your responsibility. You walk into that relationship and you bring a life-giving spirit. Not a life. You know, boys take, men give. You hear that? And when I'm selfish and when I'm that first Adam, I love to take. That's not who we are in Christ. You be a life-giving spirit. You get over that feelings or those expectations or, you know, I got a sign over my door that my wife always says because sometimes I bring my stuff home from church and uh, it says, build a bridge and get over it. That's her, you know, if I'm whining or 
carrying on. She would just say, you know, Drew, you just need to build a bridge and get over it, you know, because you're home now and you just need to leave that back, you know. But it's true. Hey, sometimes we need to build a bridge and just get over it. A life-giving. Next scripture. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. Then the spiritual. You see, in first Corinthians, I mean, that, that's it. See, your natural man was first. Return to the joy of what? Your salvation. Your salvation is where everything changed. If you don't feel that in you, the question is, have you become that spiritual, you know, man? Has there been a time when you've accepted Christ? That's, that's, that's in you. That's not because what I'm teaching. There's, if something is stirring within you, it's not because of me. It's the spirit within you that's calling you to rise up and be and lead courageously. Don't be passive. I'm telling you, as I studied this, it was rising up in me. I thought, you know, I've been being passive in some things. I'm married to an incredible woman, and sometimes I delegate too much to her. You know, because why? It's just easier, you know, she can take care of it, you know. But if you're blessed, she's my suitable helper. I couldn't do what I'd do if it wasn't for her. You know what I'm saying? And, and I need to keep all that in perspective. All right, next verse, and then we're going to close. The first man is from the earth. We're earthy. Adam, first Adam was earthy. The second man is from where? Heaven. It's different, guys. It's different. When you have the joy of your salvation, you are different. Now, I don't know where you are in your relationship with this helper of the Holy Spirit within you. But when you're in a good relationship, when you're in a good relationship with your wife, what does that feel like? It's really good. Boy, there's unity. That's just sweet. But there are some days it's bad, isn't it? But you better pay attention to that relationship you have with the Lord. You're his image bearer. And we ought to be checking in. We ought to be falling in love with Jesus. Because, you know, everything on this earth dies and is going away. That's the one thing. You'll spend eternity in heaven. Pay attention to that relationship. Last thing. Uh, as is the earthy, so also those uh, are earthy. As it is in the heavenly, so also are those heavenly. Just as we have been born in the image of the earthly, we are also born in the image of the heavenly. All right? So that's the thing. First uh, Corinthians eleven thirteen. This is where we end. Now, look, look at your uh, little handout. And you see over there on the far right, I think yours, uh, on the far right, you got those letters. I, I want to remind you, there's a structure. God, these are blueprints, and God has set it up this way. So if you want to, to lead and be all that God intended you to be, you've got to get the structure by which you function. This, this scripture really, man, this was a big turnaround for me. Let me just show. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man. And the man is the head of the woman, and God is the head of Christ. Now, you just think about this for a minute. When Christ was here on earth, who, helped, who, was, God, who was Christ's helper? Who did he look to? God, right? And I don't want to get into a theological thing, but God met the needs of Christ while he was here on earth. So he was the head. He looked, he spent time with his father. Right? And, and the scriptures say that God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of who? Man. What does Christ do for us? He meets our needs. He's our helper. He loves us. He comforts us. He sent, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit for what? As a helper. That's that relationship we're talking about. The spirit within you that you nurture. Why do you fast? Why do you do like no, uh, 
Josiah said as he read scripture. What was happening there? It was the spirit of God speaking to him through scripture that turned him around. I was like, you know, he's 25 and he got that that early. I was like, this kid's going to be all right. You know? How many of you have been lonely and what, what do we do? Just get another bag of chips, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, and waller in my, you know, just eat a little bit more. I'm a stress eater, so, uh, but, uh, so, the man is the head of the woman. And here's what I want you to see. If you're married, and even if you're not, I'm responsible as according to scripture, the head of my woman, my wife. And what do I need to do? I need to be what Christ is to me, the same to my, to my wife. You see what I'm saying? I'm there to accept the responsibility, lead courageously, to meet her needs. If she's got a problem, I need to pay attention. Because why? I'm responsible and I should be. We don't look at it like that, and we forget. But here's the structure. God set it up. Now, we can, culture is not saying that. That is, you know, that's another whole lesson. We don't even have time to get there tonight, all right? I, I could, we could spend a long time, because what does culture say? We are equal. And I would say, yes, we are endowed equally, but our responsibility and our roles are different we're equally uh, valuable but I'm telling you it's clear in scripture things are set up different and if you want to try to run it different in your home let me tell you what follows that chaos chaos so this umbrella on your little picture here, the first word is God, the second word is Christ, the third word is man, and the fourth one is wife, and there's your umbrella of protection. You follow that system, you're going to eliminate a lot of chaos in your home. It's work, but we have responsibility. Now, Here's how we're going to finish off tonight. I want you to talk a little bit, okay? I want you to, I gave you three. The last one is expect God's reward. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. I know when I first, when I was younger, I didn't really quite understand a lot of that. But I, I know God rewards even in the journey. But I'm telling you, man, part of that, part of that, thir- that fourth thing is if you keep your eyes on what God promised as a reward, it makes life look different. Because our eyes tend to look at what? The things of the earth. God says there's a reward. God will reward you. And there are rewards along the way. And there's fruit, but there's always going to be toil. There's always going to be thorns. There's always going to be challenges. But out of those four things... Talk about around your table, and then you got five minutes or so, ten you can take, and then uh, somebody close in prayer. But if you have a question, put it on the paper, okay? And uh, hopefully you got one thing out of tonight. All right? I'll turn it back to the table.